Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast 118. I have asked today's guest if um, she had ever dressed up as the A-team people, the 118 thing, and I could go, welcome back to R2Cast 118. But that unfortunately hasn't happened. And there was major commitment to cause, and that was offered that that could happen. But I feel like that just seems a bit too much just for the photo. But you will notice, no, you won't, because I'm not uploading it to YouTube, but I've started saying anyway, I am in a currently in a different background. And albeit none of you are seeing this, because it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and such. I am the exact same colour as the sofa I sit on. I am up my mum and dad's on Aaron. And the reason for that is for those that follow the social media accounts, I am currently planning to walk around Aaron twice next weekend, which is a total of 112 miles. So that is why I'm here. I am a psychopath. For those that don't know me and can't see me, I'm quite a chubby man. So it's quite a an experience to try to do this. So we'll see what happens. Maybe you'll never see another podcast from me because I will be dead in a couple of weeks. But we still have one to film tonight, and that is with the wonderful Iona Murray. Iona, would you like to say hello? Yes, hello, everybody. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Very much looking forward to this one. Very much looking forward to this one. The reason Oh, I said that twice. That must be very much looking forward to. <laughs> it's your final episode. <laughs> no, this is it. This is it. My time to end. Sponsored by the A Team and A Plan. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so I'm excited, and the reason for that is, is a lot of people uh, are not really. I guess that is the case. A lot of people, but the reason this podcast started was back in. July 2021, <clears throat> I phoned the wonderful Kenyan pig farmer Flavian Obiero and asked him if I could write a little story about him. The reason for that was, was he'd been talking about casual racism in farming. And I was like, wow, this is a problem we need to look at. We need to have a chat. And he was on the Farmers Weekly podcast. And I was like, let's share this story. So I phoned Flav for about an hour uh, and created a what is now a two-year friendship and a really good guy. And the reason I did that was people had got in touch saying, how do you get into farming? Now, as someone who sits here on a 2,000-acre farm and is heir to what would be third-generation farmsteading and isn't actually in the farm, I thought, <clears throat> I'm not the person to answer this question. The people to answer that question is everyone in farming. And Iona has an extremely interesting story on that basis uh, because of what she's involved in, which we'll get into as we go. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Iona, could you tell us a bit about your background? What was a what was a young Iona doing and what was the intentions of a young Iona? So young Iona, she enjoyed helping her dad out on the farm. So originally, I'm lucky enough that I was originally from a farm um, just outside Muirkirk. When asked what I wanted to be when I was older, um, I answered a swan. So a swan, yeah. So um, life did take a slightly different turn. <laughs> um, so I, yes, grew up on the farm, um, went to school, decided... I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do um, when I was doing my hires and things at school. Um, 
and I decided to apply well initially applied for physiotherapy um, and then changed my mind last minute and decided I wanted to work with children so I applied for primary teaching um, and that's what I did I studied down at Indumfries at the University of Glasgow campus down there um, so completed my degree in primary education and decided that I wasn't quite ready to go into a career in teaching. At that point, it felt quite overwhelming to think that was going to be me set for the rest of my life. Um, and I also wanted to be outside. And um, so I went travelling for a wee while, um, went to New Zealand, and I applied for a job, came up at Dumfries House um, for a food farming and horticulture tutor. So I applied for that and I got that post um, so yeah, that sort of started my my journey at Dumfries House. Brilliant, which we'll get into. And I think, do you know what? If, if this does turn out to be the last episode that's released, <laughs> I wish we'd had the guest being a swan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're what a choice. An absolutely gorgeous bird, but also apparently has the ability to break your arm with its wing. So I mean, what would <laughs> There are similarities. <laughs> maybe there is. Maybe it's good we're doing this over Zoom. Uh, maybe it's good we're doing this over Zoom uh, before I get taken out. But uh, you know, you, you mentioned something there that I always think is quite important, and I speak about this quite a bit. You know, I'm in education, as are you, uh, at sort of different stages, and there's such a pressure on high school academy whatever pupils to get hires and to get everything and it just annoys me like I got three hires fine um but I also completely failed fifth year uh I mean completely didn't have anything from fifth year and I wouldn't say I'm failing at life like yes it's good to do well but if you are out there and you're 16 17 the results will be coming out in what two or three weeks if you open it and it's not great it's not the end of the world. Like, I think it's so important to say that. And <clears throat> yeah, I just, yeah, just I think that's such that. a good point. I think um, as well, the, the education system is, is maybe only suited to a very small percentage of people. And um, it's you know, that classic saying, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend its whole life believing it's stupid. So it's, um, I think there's so many different types of learners um, and a lot of people are really practical, hands-on. And again, with visits we get with students that I work with, um, you know, there'll be comments at the beginning of the day that sort of oh, just maybe watch so-and-so's behaviour or, you know, maybe just keep an eye out for so-and-so. And nine times out of ten, those are the ones that are the most engaged um, in the learning experience because it's something that suits them. They're just not suited to sitting in a classroom. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's so important we get that message out there. I mean, apart from Jeremy Clarkson saying, putting his yearly post up that I get two C's and a D or whatever, and now I'm sitting on a 50 million yacht. Like, yeah. it's, it's him being at Jeremy Clarkson, but there's a point there. There really is a point there <clears throat> that um, you can absolutely amount to something without without qualifications. And you you mentioned a point there about, about people coming on to Dumfries House and and maybe the teachers are worried about them, but also that sort of connection with animals is sometimes massive, especially for folk that are neurodiverse. And when I mention neurodiversity, I probably should plug the next podcast, If I Don't Die, um, with- <laughs> I'll uh, take it, I'll take it. Yeah, that's it. You, yeah, you can take over. You can have the R2 cast, that's how it goes. Um, 
with Heidi Wilson, who you may or may not know uh, on Instagram as a CrossFit vet, Heidi just um, qualified as second in Scotland in the Britain's Fittest Farmer female qualifiers. Um, but also Heidi lost her dad when she was quite young. And she's had this sort of story of how to process that and how she's now at vet school and all this sort of thing. But also this whole time that she's been speaking about this is she's neurodiverse as well. And it's so interesting to see that process of, of, I mean, it was called a disability before, which I think is such a rubbish word, you know, and this looking at this idea of neurodiversity and what, what skills and what um, abilities are there, not disabilities that we can use. And, and I saw that at Dumfries house a couple of times, but um we can sort of go over them free south a wee bit more in depth. Just a couple more things to ask you before. Could you tell us? Could you tell us a bit about New Zealand? <clears throat> yeah, New Zealand was brilliant. It was great. Um, I just spent my time in the South Island, um, and so yeah, didn't see any of the North. But my friend was also out there. She was working on a deer farm, um, so I went to visit her there, which was so cool. Um, and yeah, just travelled around. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. I, I absolutely loved it. Brilliant. And were you were you just travelling or were you working at any point? No, it was quite a short time. I was there for just under a month or just over a month, maybe. Um, so yeah, it was a short short time. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was absolutely brilliant. I don't think I've ever heard a bad word about it. No, no. it's like yeah, it's it's like Scotland, but like magnified like it's just even more beautiful and um yeah and everybody's just so chilled out and yeah it was it was just brilliant I, I think the best photo I ever I've never been to New Zealand best photo I ever saw was our new manager at Barony the new farm manager um used to be a manager out there and he's got this photo of calves like on perfect grass and it feels like half a mile away there's these snowy mountains it's just gorgeous yeah. Yeah, I never see that. No, I know. Yeah, totally different landscapes, and yeah, yeah, just so beautiful. No, beautiful, beautiful, yeah, and everyone that I feel like one out of five people that come podcasts are like, oh yeah, it was New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I've been an idiot that's not went here. Like everyone, visited, everyone goes, and everyone loves it. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned we've been brought up in a farm, Iona. Uh, you said you loved it, apart from the fact you wanted to be a swan. Of course, was there ever any intentions to? Uh, to work on the farm was that something that ever appealed to you or not really I would say it was almost growing up um it was never seen as an option okay. um and I don't know where that came from I don't know if it was maybe um I don't know if it's maybe from a parent's point of view it, so that it wasn't assumed that we felt like we needed to you know that we, we really pursued whatever we had an interest in um so yeah it was just never really broached as being an option so it's only now as an adult that I would now look at it and think, gosh, would I, like, would I take that on? Um, but no, I think that ship, ship has sailed. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's an, it is an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I think working in education has definitely been something that I, I've, I've found my passion for and I can't see me sort of moving away from that. I saw you at Dolmali, so maybe that ship hasn't sailed. No. <laughs> I know, I'm always helping out. I'm always helping out. <laughs> you know, one thing I'm glad you didn't see at Dolmali, and one of my students did, and she makes sure to take the piss out of me all the time, is um, I got completely taken out by a tuck we bought that year. <laughs> oh, oh no. like, I mean, two seconds before I spoke to you. <laughs> you are I, I, you know, It hadn't happened, but uh, no, I mean, like, taken out. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 
Yeah. Was was the sheep game there with his video camera? No, luckily not. Cammy managed to avoid me. Uh, he, he does normally quite quite well at embarrassing me, but no, he was not there that time. Oh, he'll, be, he'll not forgive himself for that one. I know that's it. That's it. Hopefully he's not listening to this. Cammy, yeah. uh, <laughs> if you are, you've done your best to do it in the past, but you didn't manage that time. <laughs> um I always quite like to be here about folks' experience at university. You know, <clears throat> we've all we've all done different things at uni. Mine was obviously agriculture, so pretty pretty in line with what I do. But um, as is yours, yours is in line. But a lot of people might look at it and think, "Oh, it's not in line with what you do." You know, it, but at the sort of basis of it is, it absolutely is. So, could you tell us about uni? Did do you enjoy that experience or? So, well, my experience at uni. So it started off with me um, applying for primary education so it was all very last minute um like I say I was I was due to start physiotherapy um and then it was sort of four weeks before the course started that I applied for primary education so it was all very last minute and I did in fact think I had got into University of Glasgow Glasgow campus because I didn't realize there was one in Dumfries so when I then found out it was Dumfries um it obviously wasn't what I was expecting and my friends were going to Glasgow and Edinburgh so um yeah so yeah it started off with Dumfries I would say it was just it was obviously much smaller um than other places and I maybe I, I did I think university is quite hyped up as well to be the best time of your life and you know like family members my dad you know would reminisce about his time at Aberdeen and you know it's been the best time of his life and I think it probably didn't live up to that for me um, but in saying that, I, I like I became really fond of them, priest, and I met some great people. Um, but it maybe wasn't the classic university experience that I had imagined. <laughs> I think you know if you're looking at somewhere like Glasgow and Edinburgh, you're looking at hundreds of swarties and societies and all that sort of thing. And yeah. probably if that's what you're expecting, even though you'd only looked at it two weeks before. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. made that shift happen? What made the what? Why was physiotherapy thrown thrown back last minute? So I think it was a realisation that I only wanted to work with paediatrics. So right. in my head, whenever I pictured being a physiotherapist, it was working in paediatrics, which made me realise, was my passion actually physiotherapy or was it working with children? And I think when I had that realisation of actually, no, it's working with children, um, that teaching made sense because it would sort of give me a platform no matter what I maybe then went on to do. Um, it was going to be yeah working with children um yeah. yeah no that makes sense that makes sense you can sort of you find yourself focusing on one part I mean I kind of <laughs> believe it or not looking at me looked at sort of sports science and that sort of thing yeah and I realized I was only really interested in about two small parts of it uh, so I guess I did a similar thing in a, in a yeah. slightly different way but um well Listen, Iona, the reason you're here is Dumfries House and what to talk about Dumfries House and, and tell us what it is, because to a lot of people, it just sounds like a house in Dumfries, which is absolutely not what it is. So uh, could you could you tell us a bit about, well, like, look, before we get into Dumfries House itself, tell us how you ended up at Dumfries House. You came home from New Zealand, as you said, and, and ended up there. Was that a big interview process? How did that sort of go? Yeah, so yeah, and it was my first sort of proper job. You know, I'd worked in hospitality and things before, but yeah, it was my first proper interview job. So my mum worked in um, the education office um, at Dumfries House, so she had heard about this job coming up. Um, so that's how I heard. And then, um, yeah, went through the interview process and then was offered the job. So that would be maybe 
four years ago um, in April. So that, that's how long I've been there now. So my role sort of changed over the years. Um, but yeah, initially it was food farming and horticulture tutor that I started off as. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification. And what are you now? So I'm now Farming and Rural Skills Manager. Oh, manager. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, before we get into those roles and what they, what they sort of involved, what, what is Dumfries House? How would you describe it? And also, let's say where it is as well. It's quite important. Yeah, so, yeah, so Dumfries House is just outside Cumnock um, in East Ayrshire. Um, so it's run by the Prince's Foundation, which is a charity um, which was founded by King Charles. So um, the estate years ago was going into ruin um and it was so sad it was just a lost cause and king charles saved it at the very last minute actually some of the chippendale furniture was already en route to the auction house when he when he saved it yeah um so yeah over the years it's it's been restored and the grounds have been restored so now we are a real um education facility so there's so many different um, strands to it. So I'm based um, at the farm. So we've got a education farm and we've also got an education garden uh, where there's a one acre organic um, garden where we grow food with the children, we harvest it, we cook with it. So the main um, ethos is, you know, learning about where your food comes from um, and the journey it makes from farm and field to fork. Uh, and I think it's it, it's become really obvious how um, disconnected people have come from with where their food comes from. And I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. So it's really about um, yeah education. But yeah, I'll get more into the sort of the day to day. But uh, on the other parts of the state, there's also a textile centre. So they do programmes um, with textiles. There's a STEM centre, hospitality. Um, an outdoor centre for residentials and things as well. So there's a lot going on um, with the main sort of ideas that underlie everything as sustainability um, and sort of realising the vision of His Majesty um, and building sustainable communities. There's much more than I realised then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I didn't realise all that. That's fantastic. And it's so good to have someone like arguably the most important person in our country that's so behind this sector you know it's that's just absolutely you know that's what we need um <clears throat> especially in challenging times for sort of public perception and whatnot we can't we can't be in a better spot than having someone like himself and also uh, his sister princess anne is, is very pro farm and involved in shows and whatnot you know so it's sister, that's right. yeah yeah um which is brilliant it's just just what we need yeah. uh the i think the thing that surprised me when I went was just how modern it felt and just how modern, not in the sense it looks, you know, like South Korea, modern in the sense it just it felt interactive for kids. It felt that sort of thing. I assume that's happened over recent years. You said it was sort of in, in a bad spot. How, how long has that process been from when it was in ruin, if you will, to, to where we are now? 
So the farm um, opened in 2016. So it's been a gradual um, process. The garden, it was 2013. So yeah, probably 10 years since the the major buildings were opened. Um, I'm just making sure I've got my dates right there. Yeah, I think 2013, yeah. Um, Yeah. So a huge team of volunteers came in to clear the gardens um, and get them all up to speed um, it was a crazy number of people from the local area, which again was so lovely because it's where it's situated is right between Cumnock and Ock and Lake. Um, so yeah, the local people all got involved and it's also a free estate to come and um, visit and walk around and there's play parks for, for children and things as well. So yeah, it's a really, really nice space. And uh, yeah, I was, yeah, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. It really is. Like, I mean, you're pretty lucky to be working there. I mean, I I, yeah, I mean that's that in itself is. I mean, I, I I say this myself. Like, when I work at Barony, is beautiful, and and Dumfries House is just the same. Like, it felt the way I describe it to people is it felt like, and this is coming from someone that's never seen Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. It <laughs> felt like Hobbiton. It just, yeah, it does. Um, is that a description you've heard before? Or is no, that, but yeah, like, I totally get it. Yeah, also, it was, somebody who's never seen The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, but yeah, I. I oh my God! I'm so happy. There's other ones of us. <laughs> Have you seen Star Wars? No, I've never, I've never even seen Harry Potter. This is amazing. Oh, this is <laughs> you know what? I'm ready to give you the podcast now. I honestly have. What about the Lion King? I don't think so. Oh, I think I think I've seen the stage show. It's supposed to be really good, isn't it? Yeah, I've seen the stage show. That's what was making me think there. But no, I don't think I've seen the film. You know how happy this makes me. People, you've probably experienced this before. You're like, you haven't seen The Lion King or you haven't seen Star Wars. And it's just like, let's go through all the films again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know I haven't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I quite like doing things with my childhood. Too busy practicing being a swan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Who, who would want anything more? I mean, absolutely. Oh, God. There must be swans in these films at some point as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did not expect to hear. Imagine and how we could get a swan in Lord of the Rings, but uh, <laughs> it's not just the way of the R two cast. You have some fantastic folk on. Um, yeah, you've sort of painted this picture that it's it's a place for education. It's whatever, but but it is it is a real farm. It is real from horticultural yeah. perspective. It's not just let's put on a show when the kids are here. Absolutely do that, but uh, it is based on a real farm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we've got a commercial farm. So that's called Home Farm. Um, and then there's Valentin's Education Farm, which is part of the same um the same area, but obviously it's just much more health and safety checked. It's um yeah, and we've got lots of rare breeds. So the animals on the education farm are all native rare breeds. Um and then we're also the new McRobert Farming and Rural Skills Centre has been built at the moment. Um which is super exciting. So it's it's going to be opening its doors this autumn. So at the moment at Valentin's Education Farm, we've mainly focused on primary school day workshops um, and some longer term programmes as well. Um, yeah, so again, just focusing on farming, where your food comes from, food provenance, food security, food waste. Um, and but with this new center, um, there's also a fully equipped shed being built with it. So it means that students will get real hands-on practical learning with cattle and sheep. And 
I think farming as well is is quite difficult um, to, to enter as a new entrant. Um, it's you know one of those sectors that's traditionally the skills are passed down through generations, and just to get that that first um, bit of experience is really difficult. Um, you know, basic animal handling, or even just um, understanding the variety of jobs that are in the sector. Um, I think you know for students, they might not you know have a scientist as a mum or dad, but they'll get the opportunity to study physics and chemistry and biology at school if they want to. But for farming and rural skills, there isn't really that opportunity. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to fill that gap. And I think that that's been an issue for some I mean, you mentioned there about difficulties of getting into farming. I mean, having filmed now 118 podcasts, only four of which are with non-farming people, like, apart from planning permission, the biggest challenge facing this sector is folk getting into it, which which pushes us down a completely undiverse rabbit hole, you know, which is a major issue. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you see a lot, a lot of these, even my work with Rhett and whatnot, a lot of these kids you're seeing that are from half a mile away from a lot of these communities that you're involved in, but completely different worlds bring such a fantastic knowledge base and, 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 yeah. and I guess consideration I mean you'll know yourself I don't you get asked questions from four-year-olds and you're like I don't know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like oh, I never thought of that that's brilliant this is amazing we could implement this here and get a new perspective that's it and yeah. I think and bringing and even for those that are already in the sector even coming and learning new skills um Again, I think obviously you you gain so much learning from those that come from before you and, and on the farm. Um, but also, like you say, you're missing out on opportunities for to see things slightly differently or um, how things could be maybe more efficient. And I think we are also seeing a shift um, towards more sustainable practices when it comes to farming. And that's something um, I was actually I was down at Groundswell last week, which um, is a regenerative farming um, festival uh, down in Herefordshire and it was it was really interesting um, to sort of hear different people's perspectives of what regenerative farming actually is because I think these words can be thrown around and I don't know it, it's quite difficult to make them relatable because um, I think obviously farmers are aware um, of sustainability and you know reducing their impact on the environment but it's it's almost like a wee bit of a worry that they're they're doing things wrong or that you know they can't do everything right because they still have to make a living. But it's actually that realization that you know a lot of farmers are implementing a lot of regenerative practices, but they maybe just don't realize that you know they're ticking those boxes. Um, so yeah, it's it was just a really nice feeling of everybody coming together and they're not sort of being a divide between you know far, commercial farmers looking to to make a living and environmentalists who are looking to save the planet it was you know really integrated and everybody working together and yeah it was just a really really nice event it, it looks really good I wanted to go this year but I couldn't yeah it's um, great yeah and and that um they've changed the name slightly with AHDB circle of influence I don't know if that's something you're aware of uh, yeah I've heard of them yeah, so they, they were at Groundswell this year. Um, and funnily enough, Flavio and Obiero that I mentioned was one of them, along with Chief Shepherdess, Zoe Colville, who else? I can't remember any other names of this year, but um, 
Yeah, really, really progressive event. And I think the regenerative thing, the reason it's maybe somewhat confusing is if you look at organic, organic has an objective definition. Yeah, yeah. we it's you can look it up, this is what it means. Regenerative sort of is, is kind of your take on it. To me, regenerative is, is biological control from a, from a pesticide perspective and then from a, a sort of soil regeneration perspective, it's utilising the likes of herbal lays and such like and not having to utilise products that, you know, mm. uh, and organic products that, that we are using at the minute but yeah. it's a it's an interesting one because if you ask <clears throat> one expert this is what regenerative means yeah. and and that's why it's like you say farmers are like shit am i doing the right thing you know and it's yeah. it's and i think that's the thing with like organics you can be you know you have to be certified so you've got certain criteria you have to meet and i think as humans we like things like that we like things that are logical and you can tick the box and you know that you're doing it whereas regenerative agriculture it's much more holistic and it's much more about yeah what it means to you on your specific land type with your whatever you're growing or whatever um animals you're you're reading and yeah where you are where you are in the country what the weather's like what your objectives are like it's so subjective and I think that is really difficult when things aren't tangible we find it difficult to to sort of process yeah, it's like that question, but what do you mean? Yeah. I don't really know this bit, this bit, this bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Holistic's the, Holistic's the word. It's so much. Yeah. Yeah, so much to it. Uh, so I guess tell us what what you're doing from, from your perspective, Iona, what, what's happening at Dumfries House? So um, at the moment... So where we've been had a really busy spell with our with our primary schools, um, which have been brilliant. Um, so yeah, we do day workshops mainly with primary schools. So they come along, they meet all the animals, they see whatever seasonal jobs are happening at that time of year that they visit. Um, they get hands on. They they get in. They they get wing clipping. They get feeding the animals. Um, and then we also do some longer programs as well. So uh, we did. We've just finished one um, with a school in air with the chicken and egg. So they came and they picked their eggs and took them back to the classroom and incubated them and hatched them out, which was um, which was great. And I think what's astonished me is is the, the just how disconnected young people and older people are with their food and where it comes from. And I think it's it's hard to expect people to have an appreciation of for their food um, and for farmers if they don't really understand um, where it's come from. And, you know, so we talk a lot about seasonality and we look at food miles and mapping food journeys and looking at where they've come from and the environmental impact of food choices. So, you know, comparing a grass-fed lamb that was reared five miles down the road compare that to importing an avocado um so what are the environmental impacts of those and um so yeah we do we do a real mix of of sort of hands-on and practical and then also some some theory and thinking um and then with our with the new center it's it's going to be much more focused on yeah helping new ent- entrants enter the sector and also helping those already within the center um within the sector to upskill um and also um looking at we're going to be hopefully looking at 
we've, we've held some round tables and sort of with the focus being where do we see farming going and a lot of that has been sort of looking at regenerative approaches and things so we'll be looking at hosting some CPDs for farmers as well um, and yeah and also we're hoping it'll be a real hub for the farming community um, and different partners and organisations can can utilise the space as well um, and just sort of getting the word out there about the number of jobs available in the sector. And I truly believe that there is a job for it that would suit anybody. Um, but it's it's also about educating teachers about what jobs are available as well. So um, we we ran a, a teacher CPD event in partnership with Countryside Learning in Scotland, um, which was was that exact thing, um, sort of getting teachers in to, to learn about the jobs so that they can then better inform form their students as well about what's out there. This is when you realise how closely knit the whole sector is. Countryside Learning Scotland's founder is my uncle. Yes, <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. That came out when, they, when we were organising the event. Oh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. It's a... I think CLS are sort of what you guys are doing as well is hitting that secondary school bit that isn't really hit. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like there's a massive gap. You can sort of like the likes of Rhett and whatnot are, are doing great things of <clears throat> pushing out food and farming at primary school stage. And then likes of SRUC and, and Borders College and whatnot are teaching at that next level. But that secondary school bit's just sort of missing and the likes of yourself and CLS are doing a great, a great thing there. Um, Speaking of, of secondary school, I actually meant to ask you one thing from what you'd said earlier. Is, is the rural skills thing an actual qualification or is it a, you know, is there a qualification at the end of that or is it going through through a process and, and learning sort of just learning practically? So initially, so just for, for year one, we are not accredited in the courses. Um, so we're just, it's going to be very much um, getting used to the space that we're in, getting used to taking classes in groups and seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, fine-tuning our offering um, and then looking into year two to then offer accreditation. Um, but yeah, we're sort of just going to first year, find our feet and then, yeah, and then look at accrediting courses going forward. No, I mean, it, it's such a fantastic course. I assume it's going to be similar to the rural skills we see at Barony. It just, I think it's a brilliant stepping stone of the stuff they learn and it's fantastic like yeah. brilliant. love to see it love to see it um you're like like you say food and farming days a lot going on at, at Dumfries house how often are you in front of kids um, or in front of, I guess working with with kids yeah so most days um, so yeah up until sort of last week with school holidays it was um yeah teaching most days but now um, with my new role it is um going to be more more admin focused for the yeah. foreseeable just um because I'm developing the the curriculum and things for for the new center so um and I'll, I'll be based mainly from there um so yeah I'm sure I'll still get get my teaching days back but at the moment it is it is more computer over the summer you you spoke about uh you spoke about a sort of disconnect between food and farming, I guess. You know, this sort of well, I didn't know what came from there. You know, what you're doing, what you're doing with that egg, eh, eh, the egg and then computer into, into primary school, I think that's fantastic. Um but someone put it really well in the podcast before where I had said a story that I've said a few times where my ex's friend had put on Facebook, I'd seen this and it, it was it was it was cute, but at the same time it's like worrying. She had said, 
uh, I, I just got some eggs from the farm next door and she'd given them to her son and her son had said something along the lines of, I don't want eggs from a farm, I want them from Aldi, right? And it's kind of cute, like makes you smile, but at the same time, you're like, jings, like that is worrying. Um, and, and I had a guy on the podcast, it was number 74, a guy in England who does a lot similar to what you do, uh, in fairness, called Luke Ablett. His Instagram is down on Daintree Farm. And what he had said was, we've got this idea that, you know, food comes from the supermarket. But over COVID, and this is such a good point, and I'd never considered it, over COVID, that's moved to the point now that food comes from the door because it's just dropped mm-hmm. at the door. And that's quite mm-hmm. mental. Like, you don't understand there's been a year's process to make that tatty or a two and a half years process to make that beef mince. You know, like, it's it's kind of scary, the disconnect. And I, I assume you're seeing a lot of that. I mean, is, is there, how are you... Obviously, the egg's a great example. Is there other things you guys are doing to sort of try and, you know, there's more to this, you know, yeah. show the process, yeah. So we've got, um, we do another programme called Growing Together, Cooking Together with primary schools, and that takes them through the process of creating their own school garden. So they, right from the design it, they work with our joiners to build the planters, they plant out all the planters they grow they care for the plants they win the vegetables they harvest they cook with it um and then they share the produce um at a celebration event with their family and, the, and in the community and then that class so it's aimed at upper primary and then they pass the skills and knowledge on to the next primary who take responsibility for it the following year and the difference was we've seen like it is one of my favourite programmes that we do. And, oh. you know, at the beginning, we ask all them all what their favourite foods are or what their favourite vegetables and, you know, their faces, they're not interested whatsoever or, like, yeah. roll their eyes. And then next thing, like, honestly, see the harvest day, it would bring a tear to Andy's eye. You've got children, like, running about with a carrot. Like, they cannot believe that they have grown this carrot and that they get to eat it. And it's just that excitement. Um, and... I, it, that is just adding to that appreciation of where their where their food comes from, um, which is yeah, it's just so lovely to see firsthand. That I think that's a fantastic initiative, and honestly, it was a fly hit my eye there. I wasn't actually crying. Was... <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's amazing! That's so cool. Yeah. I didn't know it was happening. Oh, fantastic! I uh, just just things like that. I mean, I I spoke. I don't even think I was a lecturer at this point. I had the master's in food security, but I don't think I was a lecturer. And I spoke at the primary school just down from here. And <clears throat> um, it was really interesting to sort of have a chat. You know, uh, the, the question I ask everyone when I start something like this, is anyone vegan in here? And then we talk about how there's so many merits of veganism and whatnot. And then you sort of consider that the one thing that I think in Scotland isn't a merit of veganism is an environmental choice. And uh, you sort of look at it and they're like, um, you consider like the two you gave there wasn't it was was the lamb and avocado like I, there's just no no way in my head one is worse is better well one the one we're told is better is better because it just can't be it absolutely can't be the no synthetic water transfer up on the hill for beef and cat uh, beef and sheep just so many things like it's and it's brilliant that you're putting that out there you're showing showing what's there which is is great to see and I think, I think got- it's about yeah I think it's about trying to to stop the divide as well you know it, it can be and I think 
take to avoid that divide is, is through education. So everybody is singing from the same hymn sheet. And if, you know, if they're obviously everybody's entitled to their own decisions and but if they're informed you know then it's just the misinformation I think is, is difficult for people um yeah, yeah no I agree and maybe I misunderstood I said that wrong like I I often talk about how many fantastic things there is about about veganism vegetarianism um yeah. and how also choice is a massive thing like we live in a world where we can choose things right. that's a good thing about where we are uh but the environment one, I think, is a good one to sort of to sort yeah. of speak. Um, you know, like if someone's if someone chooses not to eat meat or animal products because they don't think animals should be used for food, I completely get that. Yeah, I totally see where that comes from. I just don't fully agree, uh, which I think is really good. Um, it's been it's been Dumfries House is getting its name out there. I own. I think were you in Countryfell recently, or maybe a bit six months ago is that about right or yeah right? yeah they came yeah I think it was about April time um so yeah <laughs> <laughs> not that long ago <laughs> no, long, long, long. <laughs> um yeah yeah they came um and they're they're coming back for another um another couple of episodes as well so that's really nice you enjoy that yeah, it was good. It was good. First TV ex- experience. <laughs> There's many more to come. Many more to come. You're just about, you're about to fall here to a podcast. So just... <laughs> <laughs> um, if if folk are listening, Iona, whether they are, let's say, they're teachers or they're they're maybe maybe sort of our age, um, mm-hmm. or or they're they're farmers in, in the local area, is there ways all those demographics can get involved at Dumfries House? Yes, there's an opportunity for everybody. Um, so yeah, we're going to have get in touch and check out the website. Um, but yeah, for especially with the the McRobert Farm and Rural Skills Centre, there's going to be opportunities for everybody. And what's really lovely, a load of Priest House has all you know the different areas with STEM and hospitality and um, textiles, all the different areas. Farming is going to be the first one that we can take a learner from age four right the way through to 90, <laughs> if they want to, yeah, um, sure. which is really nice. So we'll, we'll have progressions um, all the way through the different stages, which I think is really nice. Um, and we're going to be, um, as well, we sort of into our heritage skills um so we'll be running short-term courses on on these that sort of at-risk skills like dry stone walling and um also kind of hedge laying and um, beekeeping and things like that as well oh yeah love it do you do wreath making no we've not done a wreath making that's a great idea though no, the reason the reason I say it is the rural skills at Barony does the Fergal does wreath making, and it's so, like it's so classy, and the students sell them at Christmas time. Yeah, uh, that's so and, nice. Yeah, and our young farmers did a wreath making. Um, what would you call that type of day? Uh, that's terrible. Just a wreath making day before Christmas last year. Ah, oh my God, and I couldn't make it. Uh, did I they go and like forage for the different things in it? I don't think so. I think it was a company they got involved with that sort of get all the stuff and and they bring everything for you and oh, and you basically say, do you want to spend sixty quid on a wreath or twenty quid or whatever? And uh, you got to make it all and put it together. That's and so good. It's a fantastic wee skill. Like hedge hedge building there, like you said, what a phenomenal skill. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so I th- people think you just make it. It is an art. It is an absolute yeah. art. Yeah. Um, 
I love to see that. Love to see that. Could you tell us a bit about? Yeah, I think you mentioned them earlier, Iona, but I quite like to sort of have you sort of open up a bit more about them because I think they're awesome, and I've been involved in one once myself. And um, could you tell us about these festival farming days? I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, the Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Yes, they are. They are one of my favourite days. Um, so, yeah, so they're, they're, our festival farming events and countryside careers are both run in partnership with Rhett, Ayrshire and Aaron, um, who are just fantastic. Um, so festival farming, we've upped it to a two-day event. So we have roughly 350 primary children each day um, that come along and about 20 15 to 20 different activities for them to make their way around. So we've got, you know, things, butchers, beekeepers, auctioneers, farriers, um, a taste of everything. Um, so they they move move their way around and yeah, just learning all about farming, again, where their food comes from, and also different careers um that are in the farming and rural sector. Um, and although that's touched on in festival farming and countryside careers, it's and it, that event is focused more on, on secondary school students. So it's much more career focused. So we'll also have colleges um, and organisations along, you know, such as SRUC and Lantra, um, Tarf Valley, etc. So um, where they can see that they could go in apprenticeship or further learning, um, but then also some some practical hands on. And it's all it's all down to the volunteers that that make those days happen. It's it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, people giving up their time or even putting holidays in annual leave for their jobs to come and help out on the day, which is just amazing. It, it was a fantastic thing to be part of. I mean, shout out. Um, Shout out Erin and Isa for their worm dance. Yeah, amazing. Favorite. I mean, <laughs> the proper going for it. Absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, no, it, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And uh, just whether whether it was kids sort of seeing the pigs or whatever, and uh, just seeing their reaction. I, I, you'll be doing. You'll be seeing that quite often now, and it's just such a. You could get high on that reaction yeah. to seeing them. Like it's so nice. And uh, if if you are listening to the podcast and you're thinking, what are they talking about? This isn't a plug for me because I made it, but it is there. If you look up the Dumfries House Food and Farming Day 2022 is on YouTube and sort of recovered everything that was there. We, we went over everything that was there because Red Ayrshire and Iron is something that I was involved in. I used to be their vice chair. Um, but if you want to hear their story as well, R2 cast number 76. I think we had Christine, Willie, Alec and Elaine on talking about what Rhett, Ayrshire and Aaron are. So another fantastic, well, Rhett in general, but Ayrshire and Aaron was yeah. the one we fantastic, a fantastic charity. Also um, supported by, uh, from what I understand, the Princess Trust of some form. Anyway, uh, yeah, so all very good, all sort of tied in together and all doing a lot of good things. Um yeah, I know we could sort of sit and chat about Dumfries House forever, I'm sure, but you've you've sort of covered it very well and I appreciate your time. Uh, <coughs> the time sort of flies by. It's already been more than three quarters of an hour. Um, and yeah, it does sort of disappear, doesn't it? it does. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, I mean, we've had swans, we've had uh, rural skills, we've really sort of covered it all. Uh, but there is two things I ask absolutely everyone. And I think, you know, I'm quite impressed with this. I think I've never forgotten to ask this. There's maybe one out there. If you are one of the staunch listeners of which I'm aware, there's at least 700 that have seen every single podcast. Oh, wow. Psychopaths, first off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, which, I mean, that was about 1,400 up until... Uh, I've said that the wrong way around. Seven, yeah, I have said that wrong. It's four hundred now. It was seven. It was seven hundred. Sorry, I was getting carried away. Oh um, but now there's eight, eight a month. I don't think many folk are going to be sitting around watching yeah. this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think eight hours of me is enough. Um, but yeah, the two questions I ask everyone, and uh, yours is going to be quite an interesting answer because you're very near the start of your career uh, it's sort of been quite a quick career you've had as well um, as to where you see yourself in five years and secondly if you had any tips for folk coming into let's even say rural education what would they be okay five years time I I don't know when I, yeah, see myself I really don't know I would say um still still at Dumfries house as far as I, I would see myself um making an impact um there personally I don't I don't I have no idea where I'll be living or what I'll be doing I've got I've got no idea hopefully I'll be on some more holidays some more traveling by then or New Zealand <laughs> yeah exactly back to New Zealand um and any tips I would say just keep trying even if you try one thing out in farming and rural skills and it's not for you, try something else and the, the people will be there to help you. It's such a lovely community. I think the farming and rural sector and once you're in, you're in and um, yeah, stick at it. It's a, it's, it's a lovely, it's, yeah, community is the word, isn't it? Like you, you just, everyone just, you have a chat and yeah, yeah. I think really even fun. like that like the Highland show you know I like so many of my friends have never ever heard of it like who aren't from farming and then they're you know and I was like oh yeah as it it's like I suppose it is quite niche and then I'm like it's not there's like 200,000 people there but like yeah as a as a wee community and it, on it by itself it does feel like it's just full of farmers though doesn't it because you can't walk 10 meters without stopping um, in somebody, you know. consistent yeah and but then you think about it there's nine thousand farmers in scotland not 200 yeah. you know yeah it's customer when you really consider it that way and they're definitely not all there no uh, that's true no it's 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 a good old time were you there last week did you make yes, it yes i was yeah it was brilliant all four days or um thursday friday saturday they're the days that matter in fairness yeah i know yeah. i didn't see the final of the golden shears but um not many folk did it was hard to get in uh, oh yeah i heard that and they wouldn't let you in and back out again it was a uh, I, I stood outside and watched it for about five minutes on a screen just because i'm not really into shear inside myself in fairness mm. but uh yeah no you couldn't get in it was it was hard to get in people mm. came from the whole world to see it you know so yeah but yeah, always a good time. I was there like a psychopath for seven days. Uh, you yeah. are joking. <laughs> Tuesday to Monday. What? Yeah, I was only there on Tuesday for like an hour, dropping some stuff off. I was then there on Wednesday from about 
one in the afternoon till about two in the morning. Um, and, <laughs> and then, car- were you staying in a caravan? Ah, I wasn't. This is the thing. Oh I, every year I'm like, I'll get a hotel near it. And then I'm like, nah, I'll be fine. And then I book an Airbnb in Edinburgh. And I think I spent something like £400 on taxis. Oh my uh, goodness. Wallet. Good fun. Love it every year. Have a great time. It's worth it. It's worth it. 100%. 100%. And the thing is, like, I, I just don't really go on many holidays. So I kind of see it as one of them, seeing everyone yeah. have a good time. Um, no, good fun. If you are listening and you've never heard of the Highland Show or the Royal Welsh or the Royal Yorkshire or Balmoral in Northern Ireland, go check one of them out. They're all brilliant. I've only been to one of them, but I know all four of them are brilliant. Um, always good fun to see different livestock. And there is beer tents if that's something you're into. <laughs> Obviously, I would touch them. Uh, uh, yeah, no, Iona, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, time's flown by, as, as they quite often do. I hope you've enjoyed it yourself. I have. Thank you so much for having me on. No, not at all, not at all. You've been on, you're here, you've been on the list for a while, but that list is just massive. I must get, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not joking when I say that. The amount of people that message me names and I'm like, right, okay. There's like 500 folk on that list at the minute. So oh it's here, obviously near the top because you've been on, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, for those of you listening, I hope you're still enjoying the R2 cast. Obviously R2 cast number 118. We only started the year on 74, which is kind of mental. Uh, 74 with Luke Ablett was the first one in January. And uh, I think off camera, I think it was off camera any, uh, or off recording, I guess. I and I, were, and I were having a chat about views and whatnot. And um, the biggest break I've had from podcasting was between Zoe and Chris's episode on the 16th of December to Luke's on the 4th of January. And I went from like that sort of 1500 roughly a day to about 400 because you stopped for two weeks. It was mental how much that consistency is important. Yeah. yeah, mental. We are releasing eight a month at the minute. I am going to miss one next week because... Uh, I kind of want to film the All In series with Ed, me and him in person together. It sort of adds that good dynamic. So we're going to miss one currently on Aaron doing this walk. Um, and the next episode you'll be seeing is with Grant and Jacqueline. So Grant Nielsen and Jacqueline. I don't think I know Jacqueline's surname because it's not her surname on Facebook, but um, they have a, a, well, I guess they're sort of personal trainers. They've just set up the West young farmers fittest farmer um, and are very involved in the farmers weekly fittest farmer as well so they're going to come on and tell me why I don't look like they they do next week as I said we'll have Heidi Wilson who obviously is very much in that fittest farmer line of things as well as she's just qualified for the finals uh, as second place female so Heidi will be a very interesting chat with from a fitness perspective from a veterinary perspective from a neurodiversity perspective from a managing to live her young career so far um, having lost her father at a pivotal time and yeah so a really really good chat there and as you know more coming um, send me in <laughs> I say send me in um, people you want to see and I regret it every time because it's just <laughs> becoming I don't even think I write them down now I'm going to be honest like if they're on the list great we'll get through that list and then we'll go back to them at some point but it's a pleasure I appreciate when you get in touch uh, do follow on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok if you want to see me train my cat how to jump up um, and uh, follow all there. Iona, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And we shall see you all for the next episode. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, Aplan Rural. If you follow Aplan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside Aplan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of Aplan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen. 
and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A Plan Rural and on Facebook at A Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.